Oh, good morning. How's it going? My name is Matt. I uh, get the privilege of being the pastor here at Bay Marin, and I want to welcome you. So we're in the book of Ruth. I want to invite you to turn there. Last Sunday, we ended in near the end of Ruth 1, and so guess what? This Sunday, we're going to make it through Ruth 1 and into Ruth 2. Isn't that exciting? You guys are all thrilled. So let me uh, remind you of where we've been, and and then uh, we'll jump back in. So uh, Naomi, her and her husband, Elimelech, uh, there is a famine going on in Bethlehem where they live. Bethlehem, by the way, means house of bread. And so ironically, in the house of bread, there was no bread. And so they left the house of bread to go to the foreign country of Moab, Uh, who Israel has some tension with historically. And so it wasn't the friendliest choice uh, to go to Moab, but that's where they went. And in Moab, uh, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died. And her two sons married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, who this book is named after. And uh, after about 10 years, her two sons died. And so Naomi is left with nothing. And in the ancient world, as a woman, if you are not somehow connected to a man who protects you, you are extremely vulnerable and in a whole lot of danger. And so Naomi hears that the famine has ended in Bethlehem. And so she decides to return and her two daughters-in-law with her. And she starts to convince Orpah and Ruth to return to Moab. Uh, Orpah's convinced, she goes back, but Ruth says, no, I'm going with you. And and not only am I going with you, but your home will be my home, your people, my people, your God, my God, and where you die, I will die. And so Ruth fully unites herself to Naomi, to Naomi's people, to Naomi's God. And she returns with Naomi to Bethlehem. So we're going to pick up the story there in verse 19 of Ruth 1. It says, the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? And so there's this stirring going on in the village, like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Naomi has returned, and and they're saying, can this be Naomi? It's as if the the decade or so that Naomi has been gone, it has aged her, she's been through extreme tragedy, and they're like, is this Naomi? And it is Naomi. This is amazing. Naomi has returned. It's like uh, being in a small town, growing up in a small town, and out of all of your high school friends, you're the only one that went away to college. And after college, you return to visit, and the whole town is astir because you've returned. Naomi has returned home, and the whole town, Bethlehem was not that big of a town. And so everyone knew everyone in Bethlehem. And here, Naomi returns, and everyone is excited about her return. Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. She uses this term bitter 
again. This is a term she used earlier when she's talking to Orpah and Ruth. She says, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Uh, Naomi is at the bottom. Everything has fallen apart for her. She is left with nothing. Her life feels completely empty. And so she says, don't call me Naomi. Naomi in the Hebrew means pleasant. She says, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She is in a way saying, call me Mara for the Lord has marred me. The Lord did this to me. And and she goes on to say, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And so over and over again, Naomi points the finger at God. God did this to me. Now notice, the narrator gives no indication that this is the case. But this is how Naomi feels. She feels as though God has turned against her. She feels as though God has rejected her. She feels as though God has left her bitter and empty. Uh, Ironically, Naomi says, I went away full, but there was a famine in the land. And she says, and I have come back empty, but now it's harvest time and the famine has ended. But for Naomi... She feels completely empty because the fullness she left with was her family, and now she comes back with no family. She feels completely empty. It's as if Naomi is saying, what good is food without family to share it with? She is completely at the bottom, feels as though God has betrayed her, and she says, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Call me Mara. Now, this is a huge thing in the Hebrew world to change your name. We see names being changed in the Hebrew scriptures from time to time. And usually when they're changed, they're changed to become something more positive about the person. But Naomi says, let's change my name to something more negative. And it's because she feels like life simply couldn't get any worse. So why not change my name to something negative as well? She is at her end. She is so grief-stricken and so depressed and in agony. She says, just call me Mara. Just call me bitter. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite. You see, Naomi thinks she has returned to Bethlehem empty, but she has not returned alone. Ruth is with her. Ruth, who is showing her what we talked about last week, this has said, this beautiful, loving kindness, this beautiful compassion from God. She is doing for Naomi that which Naomi cannot do for herself. And so Naomi returns, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So chapter 1 ends with this note 
of hope. The barley harvest is beginning. And Ruth and Naomi have returned. Now, this word returned is used numerous times in chapter 1. It's used twice in verse 22. But in our English translation, we only see it once, used of Naomi. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth. But in the Hebrew, in the original text, it's actually used twice. It's used of Naomi and of Ruth. It says that Ruth with her returned to Bethlehem, to the house of bread. Now, why would it say that Ruth returned? Because out of the three women we've been introduced to in this story so far, Ruth, Orpah, and Naomi, only one has not returned to the place they were born, to their homeland. Orpah returned to Moab. Naomi returned to Bethlehem. Ruth, her home is in Moab, but she comes to Bethlehem. There's this sense in which the narrator is telling us something. That Ruth, even though she was born in Moab, has come to find her true home. She has said, your people, my people, your God, my God. It's as if she is returning home for the first time. Now, folks, reading this story in the ancient world, uh, many folks... Uh, who in the time of the exile, who are in exile in Babylon, if they're reading this story, and if they were born in Babylon, they would have related to Ruth in such a deep way. Because for them, to return to Israel would be to return home, even though they've never been there. And it's as if for Ruth, she has come to know the God of Israel, And she says, your God is my God, your home my home. It's as if for the first time she has returned home. And it's at the time of the barley harvest. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So the narrator's giving us a little foreshadowing here. There's this other character that's introduced into the story, and his name is Boaz. He's a relative of Elimelech's, and he's a man of standing. And so in our mind's eye, as we take a look at this story so far, something the narrator is letting us know right now is that Ruth is from Moab. She's a foreigner. She has come to a place that she does not belong, a place she was not born. Uh, She is poor. She's a widow. She, like Naomi, has nothing. The social standing of Ruth and Boaz could not be farther apart. Boaz is a man in the ancient world who has great land holdings. He's a man of standing. Ruth is a woman, a foreigner, a widow. She's poor. She has nothing. The difference between the two could not be much greater. And so Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters, As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. 
So, it seems that at this point in the story, Naomi is still so grief-stricken, she can't even leave home. But Ruth takes initiative. And Ruth says, I am prepared to do what it takes to provide for us. I'm going to go out to a field and glean there. And Naomi says, go ahead. Now, God had given very specific laws to the Israelite people about how they are to treat the foreigner, how they are to treat the oppressed, how they are to treat the widow, how they are to treat those on the underside of power. And so in the book of Deuteronomy is one of these places where he gives this specific uh, instruction. He says, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So God is telling his people, listen, in your fields, when you harvest, leave some for the poor. Don't go back and get it. Allow the poor, allow the fatherless, allow the orphan, allow those who have nothing to be able to have something says it again, when you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. So it's as if, if God is saying, listen, I'm not just talking about fields, I'm talking about your olive groves as well. And I'm not just talking about your olive groves, I'm talking about your vineyards too. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. God is reminding his people, there was a time when you were foreigners. Take care of the foreigner in your midst. There was a time when you were slaves, when you were poor. Take care of the poor in your midst. There was a time when you had nothing. Take care of those in your midst who have Nothing. Now, just like all the laws that God gave, uh, Israel wasn't always great at keeping these laws. And so there were times when they did not obey these laws. They did not take care of the least in their midst. Can you believe that? Wouldn't obey laws? I can't imagine a people who, who wouldn't do that. God's very clear about what they're called to do. And part of the beauty of Ruth is Ruth shows us a community in the midst of a very violent time, in the midst of a a very unsafe time, that the story of Ruth shows us a community that did what God called them to do. An alternative community living the way God called them to live in the midst of a world that did not. And so Ruth is saying, I'm going out to glean. She, she must have some understanding of these laws. And she said, I'm going out to glean. I'm going out to get, hopefully, some food for us so we can survive. And Naomi says, go. Uh, yesterday, we, uh, me and my family, we went up to uh, Sonoma uh, to a vineyard and for like two, three hours just walked through the vineyard, and they had harvested all the grapes already, but there are a few left over. And so we gleaned. 
and tasted a couple. And uh, there was a bug in Zoya's, so she didn't have any more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cora, I'm trying to remember how she described hers, f- freshly yummy. Freshly yummy. Uh, and so this is what people would do in the ancient world at harvest time. They would go and glean behind the harvesters. And so this is what Ruth goes to do. So, verse 3 of chapter 2, she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, and so this idea, as it turned out, or by chance, the the narrator is helping us see, oh, as it turned out, like it's a coincidence, but there's this beautiful play of how God is providentially working in the background here. And so Ruth ends up in the field of Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Now, uh, like I said, everyone knew everyone in Bethlehem, and so Boaz comes and he sees a young woman in his field, and he says, who, who is she? He's wondering who she is. Uh, some commentators also seem to think that Boaz may have found her attractive. We found out later that that's likely true. Uh, but this question, uh, in our context, in the modern age, uh, seems really offensive. Because he doesn't say, what's her name? Uh, he doesn't say, who is she? He says, who does she belong to. Now, for us, that feels really offensive. It would have been actually a very appropriate question in the ancient world. Because like I said, in the ancient world, women were always connected in some way to a man in order to have protection in the ancient world. They were very vulnerable. And so I want to invite you for a moment to put yourself in Ruth's shoes. And you hear this question asked of you. Because in the ancient world, if you have a father, you're protected by your father. If you have a husband, you're protected by your husband. If you have a brother, you could be protected by your brother. If you have a son, you could be protected by your son. You'd have some type of belonging, some type of connection to the community, to the land, and to God's blessing. But if you do not have that connection, You are left alone and vulnerable. Uh, And needing to trust that in some way, hopefully the community will care for you. And so if you're Ruth and you hear this question, who does she belong to? As Ruth, you're thinking, nobody. I'm nobody's husband. I'm nobody's daughter. I'm not even anyone's hired servant. I'm nobody's sister. I'm nobody's mother. I'm a nobody. And I don't belong. This is how Ruth feels. She's vulnerable. She's in danger. And she's alone. And right now, She is taking great risk trying to provide for herself and for Naomi. 
And here the landowner comes and says, who does she belong to? It's as if you can feel Ruth's heartbeat increasing. Like that this could land me in a whole lot of trouble. I'm in a whole lot of danger here. And the overseer replies to Boaz. She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. Now, there are a whole lot of ways the overseer could have responded. He could have said, her name's Ruth. He doesn't even mention her name. He could have said, she's the widow of Milan, the son of Elimelech. That would have at least given Ruth some sense of identity. But notice what he points out twice in this verse. What does he point out? Moabite. He's emphasizing that she does not belong. What does it feel like to not belong? Put yourself in Ruth's shoes. What does it feel like to not belong? The overseer is emphasizing she's a Moabite. She's a foreigner. Not just a foreigner, but a Moabite. There's tension there, remember. Ruth is at her most vulnerable here. The overseer continues. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So he emphasizes her foreignness. He emphasizes that she does not belong, but he also points out she's a hard worker. She's been here from morning till now, and she's only taken a short break. She is a hard worker. The overseer has done what the Torah or the law requires. He allows her to glean. And so Boaz, verse 8, said to Ruth, My daughter... Listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and drink, get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Ruth could not have received a warmer welcome than this. In a moment when she is most vulnerable, she receives a welcome from the owner of a field who says, don't go into another field, stay here. You're welcome to gather here. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, which she would have been in danger of. And whenever you need a drink, get a drink. In this moment, Boaz gives a woman who has no identity a sense of identity. Boaz gives a woman who has no sense of belonging a sense of belonging. And Boaz gives this woman who has no sense of significance a sense of significance. This is what 
the community of faith does. When there are people in our midst who feel like they have no identity, they have an identity here. When there are people who feel like they don't belong, they belong here. When there are people who feel like they have no significance in this world, they have significance here. Why? In the Hebrew world, God constantly tells his people to remember. He says, remember. We just looked at one of those texts. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. You were foreigners once. Take care of the foreigner. You were slaves once. Take care of the poor among you. Years and years later, a man named Paul, one of the first Christians, would write this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. And so Paul, Paul's just referring to this idea that Jews uh, are, are commanded to be circumcised and Gentiles were not circumcised, and so there was this divide. Uh, and Jews regarded everyone else as second class. Uh, you're the uncircumcised. You're Gentiles. You don't belong. Paul's saying, remember this. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Ruth is a woman who, in many regards, is without hope. There's little to no hope for a woman in her circumstances to have any hope for a good future. Paul is telling us, remember that that was you. We're all foreigners. We were all foreigners. We were all without hope. Then he says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The work of Christ on the cross brought you near Paul says, and as a result, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Paul says, we should all remember what it feels like to not belong. What does it feel like to not belong? Paul says, there was a time when you did not belong, but because of Christ, you belong. And everyone is invited to belong. There is no excluding anyone. Everyone belongs because of what Christ has done. And so if we hold a posture of exclusion, if we hold a posture of keeping out, we 
We're simply going against Christ's heart that everyone belongs. Everyone belongs. This is the heart of Jesus and should be the heart of the community of faith. And so, this morning, I want to do a little spiritual practice with you. I want to invite you to close your eyes, and I simply want to ask us a couple of questions. In many ways in this story, Boaz functions as a Christ figure, uh, coming in and doing for Ruth what Ruth could not do for herself. He, he himself offers has said this loving kindness, this compassion. And he says, uh, do not go to another field. Uh, drink whenever you are thirsty from the water that's been provided by my men. Uh, I, I think of this and I, I think of how God has invited us into the community of faith and has given us everything we need and more. He has given us this abundant life. He has given us a life that we just can't imagine living without. And it's as if God invites us into his field to glean and says, don't go to another field. But, uh, let's ponder this question for a moment. Why, why do we go to other fields? When everything's been provided for us, why do we go to other fields to glean? Why do we go and drink water from a source other than the source of living water? Why is that? And what does it look like for us to say, I don't want to go to other fields anymore? I don't want to drink from another source anymore. I simply want to eat and drink from the true source of life, the resurrected Christ who lives in us and among us. And then secondly, who is Ruth? in your midst? Who is the foreigner? Who is the, the vulnerable? Who, who is someone you know that you can offer said to, that you can offer hope to? Someone who, who may, in this moment in their life, feel like they have no Who is Christ inviting you to be his presence of hope to? God, thank you that even though we were once foreigners, even though we were once excluded, that because of Jesus, the doors are open wide. We get to be in your field. We get to drink from the source of living water.
God, may we be a people who are faithful. May we be a community who is faithful to you, who longs to be at home with you. And God, may we be a people who are a welcoming community. That for those who feel excluded, for those who are on the outside, that we would say that the doors are open wide here. kingdom that Jesus is building in our midst is open to everyone. God, thank you for the work of Christ that brought us near. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So as you go this morning, may you know that has said of God, his loving kindness, his compassion, and may that compassion flow through you to everyone you encounter, from your family, your friends, your co-workers, and to also the foreigner, the widow, the alien in your midst. May this God bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his shalom. The very peace of Jesus that blows our minds. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. <laughs>